Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free. Decades ago, I started growing food in my front and backyard, and I realized that my mission in life is to inspire and empower others to grow their own nutrient-dense, healthy, organic food. Because of this, a lot of people have come to me with their gardening questions over the years, and that got me thinking, what if we put together a community that would help budding gardeners blossom? So I finally made the idea a reality with my Urban Farm U member program. Each month, your membership includes three live online events, a monthly class, a chit-chat with an expert, and a monthly coaching session, plus access to the experts on our member page and a significant discount on our signature courses. I'm deeply committed to transforming our global food system, and I do this by empowering you to grow your own food. The Urban Farm Membership Program is a simple way to get going. Please join me in transforming your food system today. To learn more, go to urbanfarmmembership.org or text membership to 33444. That's urbanfarmmembership.org or text membership to 33444. You're listening to the Urban Farm Podcast, your partner in the Grow Your Own Food Revolution. Whether you've just been introduced to urban farming or you're a lifelong advocate, we're sure you'll leave feeling more informed, equipped, and empowered to dig deeper into the soil of your local food economy. With you every step of the way, here's your host, Greg Peterson. Today on the Urban Farm Podcast, we have Kareen Kuchipudi of Vegan Blondes to talk about her experience with going vegan and eating healthy. Kareen was once an extreme carnivore, and she happily ate sweetbreads, blood pudding, lots of meat, including game, and all kinds of raw meats. Food was her life. She had a catering business and organized dinner parties that would have made a vegan faint. That's cute. Life was spent in the kitchen and life was good. Then she embarked on her vegan journey just over a year ago to combat a significant skin issue. She started first by eating fruits and vegetables in large quantities, but she struggled from low energy levels. Then she tried the paleo diet, which did not work out, so she started educating herself about plant-based proteins. Education was the key to her success, and two pillars of veganism became important to her, mercy for animals and protection of the environment. 
Grains, seeds, and nuts are now the biggest part of her diet while she is striving to achieve a complete plant-based diet. She loves whole and natural ingredients and wants to show others how a vegan diet can be fun, easy, and delicious. Welcome to the show today, Kareen. Hi, Greg. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at now? Well, it all started, like you said, I had a, the major skin issue for me was acne. Um, And it started when I was a teenager, obviously, like most people. Um, And then people kept telling me, you'll see when you're pregnant, your skin's going to clear up, you're going to have that pregnancy glow. But for me, it never happened. On the opposite, I was covered in acne from Mm. my lower back all the way to my hairline. It was really crazy. Mm. And then people told me, oh, you'll see when you have the baby, your hormones will balance again Mm -hmm. and you'll get back to your beautiful skin. But that again did not happen. So so I started, that's when I kind of started educating myself a little bit more. Um, And that's when you start looking at, you know, the major thing is what we ingest obviously Uh so I started focusing my energies on that Um, I started reading I got a bunch of books obviously the internet is a beautiful tool but there's also a lot of you know things that you should leave on there (laughs) so so uh, so basically that that was what kind of started my questioning when it comes to our food system Uh uh-huh and when you started questioning it, what did you, what kind of things did you find? Oh, so many things. Yeah. <laughs> How long is this podcast? Oh, we can talk for hours. That's <laughs> no. It just started, you know, because um, if one of the, you know, you mentioned the pillars of veganism, one of them is obviously the mercy for animals. Uh-huh. We all kind of grow up with knowing that, you know, we do kill animals to survive, that Mm -hmm. that's part of our culture. Um, However, when you start questioning yourself and questioning what you ingest and where it comes from, and you start doing research, you start a little bit doubting if the people that are that are ingraining that system into us, you start doubting what they're saying, you start questioning what what, you know, what big farm or big agriculture, you know, all these people um, and then that's when you really start your research, and that's when I, I that's when the three pillars kind of got together because I had the health, which was my acne. That that's the main reason why I started on my vegan journey. Right. Was the health one. Um, but then when you start your research, then you start having the animal welfare that comes in, uh, and then you start seeing the a bunch of horrible stuff. I'm going to spare you the details, but. And then, and then there's the third pillar, which is the environment. And then you realize that our food system cannot continue to survive the way it is, it is right now. Um, it's, it's not efficient. It doesn't help the world hunger. Uh, there's many, many things that you know, we have to do right now. And I think it's a crucial time right now for veganism and for all this, this grow your own food. And I think we're at that point right now where something needs to be done right how does being a vegan impact your health you know i can i can completely get and okay so the caveat here is that i've been mostly vegan now for the past 65 days after i had a conversation with a medical doctor about it congratulations thank you (laughs) so 
um, I'll just be upfront with everybody about that. I'm trying, yeah. I'm trying ex an experiment here, but I've never really, until I had that conversation with Dr. Loomis, I really didn't get the whole veganism thing. I mean, because mm -hmm. being a vegetarian is just the same, right? Well, yes and no, because I think that the milk industry, the dairy industry is a big, in my case, for mm -hmm. acne and for hormonal imbalance, the mm -hmm. dairy industry was the big culprit mm -hmm. in my case. Mm -hmm. So obviously, you know, again, that's another thing. We are raised with the dairy, you know, the oh, calcium, yeah. the, you know. Milk and ice cream. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It's it's all over everywhere. And I mean, I have kids, so I'm constantly bombarded with that dairy and that meat industry. Mm -hmm. But in terms of health, I mean, it, it's just it's proven to help prevent and reverse many types of cancers. First of all, that's my that's my first um, point here, because cancer is so predominant in our society. Oh, also, yeah. yeah, that is the case. Yeah. So there's many things. I mean, if you think about prostate cancer, colon cancer, ovarian cancer, breast cancer, a lot of these cancers can be either treated or even reverse with a diet that's adapted to, to your lifestyle and to your health. Mm -hmm. And then you can also uh, lower your blood pressure easily with a different type of diet because obviously we know that meat uh, does clog arteries. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that has been uh, admitted by the government mm -hmm. last year. And, you know, the media didn't really cover anything. Um, I mean, we heard about it. I mean, I heard about it because I'm aware of all that vegan stuff, but you know, my mom didn't even know that the government finally admitted that, yes, you know, red meat do cause um, yeah. blood, higher blood pressure and cancers and stuff like that. Yeah, that came out about a year ago, didn't it? Yep, 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 yeah, yep, exactly. exactly. And also for diabetes, I've seen a lot of great success stories with diabetes that have reversed their disease, that are not taking pills anymore, that are not doing insulin shots anymore mm -hmm. just because they changed their diet. Yeah. And, that, and that's not even talking about weight loss. Um, weight loss is a big one. And if you lose weight, a lot of those diseases will kind of go or stay at bay just because weight, if someone that's overweight, it's a body that will carry disease a lot more. Like for health, I mean, I think there's a lot of benefits out there. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just a matter of if people want to see them and really want to act on them. Yeah. But I think it's been proven. Yeah. So... This whole notion of veganism, in fact, recently, actually, about five years ago, my niece, who is now 15 years old, so she mm -hmm. at 10, she, she became a vegan. And are we seeing it more? And if so, how are we noticing that? In terms of the trend in society, you mean? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's it's very driven. The movement is very driven by millennials, obviously, because they're they're the ones right now that are the purchasing power, if you mm -hmm. will. Yep. Um, so they're driving the movement a lot, but you see a lot of people that are even from the older generation that are kind of understanding uh, the benefits. The kids obviously are also, mm -hmm. you know, I, I bought two books last week for my kids. Uh, one is called V is for Vegan, and the other one is called That's Why We Don't Eat Animals. It's from Ruby Roth. They're great books. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's just, you know, because like I said, we're constantly bombarded by the dairy and the meat industry. Yeah. And it's hard sometimes, even though I explain to my kids what it is to eat well and what it is to be vegan. When kids see that in a book, I feel like it has a lot of, um, of power just because kids put so much 
uh, trust into books and education. Mm-hmm. So those are great books that for someone who needs to to kind of make this more kid friendly, if yeah. you will. Well, that's that's an interesting uh, dilemma that we have. I talked to somebody the other day who is a vegan and her husband's a carnivore. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so how how do we integrate that in? in a lifestyle. I mean, I lucked out cause my, my sweetie Heidi is, uh, she kind of leans toward that direction. So we're both real supportive of each other. Uh, yeah. So is your entire family vegan? We are now. It started obviously when I started vegan, um, we had a few, you know, we bumped heads a little bit, but I still kept at the beginning, I still felt comfortable, uh, cooking my stuff and putting, let's say a fish on top for my husband. Uh huh. Um, however, he realized that everything I was cooking was so good and so filling and so wholesome with the grains and the beans and everything that you need uh, in a meal that he realized he didn't need the meat or the fish anymore. So now what we do is at home we're vegan and when we go out he does fish or dairy or he loves dessert. So obviously dessert yeah. is his thing. And the kids, the same thing. You know, my son loves uh, shrimp. So if we go out, he's going to get some shrimp. But at home, it's uh, 100% vegan. Uh-huh. Cool. So it, it, it's it's been fairly easy to integrate with this with your family. Yeah. And you know what? We posted uh, on the Vegan Blondes on our Instagram account, we posted a question, I think, two weeks ago to see how it was going at home. Like, how, what would people do at home if you're vegan and your spouse is not? Uh-huh. Um, and most people, what we found is that people, the, the person who cook, which most of the time um, you have to say is the woman, if the woman is vegan and she's the one cooking, she's going to cook vegan and the husband just has to adapt or cook yep. his own stuff. And But that's what we found out. And it, I was kind of surprised, but um, it's a good thing. I mean, it's um, and hopefully the spouse that's not vegan can kind of do the meatless Monday or, or you know, right. do two or three meals a week that are vegan or, you know what I mean? It's, it's a great, and that's the thing, like people think vegans are so gung-ho and so dramatic about everything, but, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of people that will either cut the meat once a week or do like a 30-day vegan challenge or, uh-huh. you know what I mean? Like th- there's many ways to, to help either the environment, the animals or your health without going full-blown 100% vegan right yeah. away. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's what I'm experiencing right now in my experiment mm-hmm. is that, you know, at home it's easy. Uh, yeah. When we start going out, you know, I still don't do any meat when I go out. And mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm finding that it's not so hard to find, you know, at least vegetarian things out there. Um, yeah, vegetarian is very easy. Is, you know, it's very easy. And then vegetarian without uh, milk products, mm-hmm. you know, is that's that's not so bad either. So, yeah, it's yeah. It, it's been an interesting experiment. I'll tell you, <laughs> it is a journey. <laughs> <laughs> that, that it is. That it is. So let's let's talk about your website. I'm uh, peeking at it right here. It's uh, veganblondes.com. That's correct. So how long and why? We started veganblondes.com in June, uh, this past June. So oh, it's, wow. fairly, it's fairly recent. Mm-hmm. We started because, well, first of all, if you go back before my vegan um journey started. Mm-hmm. Uh, I lived in Chicago. I had a catering business, like you mentioned uh, in the beginning. I was, I mean, I was all over everything, the French food and, you know, I was discovering the world of food. Oh, if yeah. You will. Right. 
so that started a little bit like that. And then to, to bring it to here, uh, I moved to Arizona and I feel like that's, that's, maybe it's a coincidence, but for me, that's when it kind of started because that's when I got involved into gardening. That's when I had that interest. And then if you put gardening and the veganism and it, it kind of all made sense, you know? Right. So I had a website back in Chicago that was called plumpepper.com. Um, that's when I had my catering business and we we're doing crazy dinner parties and, uh, with a lot of meat and dairy. Uh-huh. And then, um, I switched the plum pepper website to a blog format. And then I started, when I started my vegan journey about a year ago, I started documenting everything that I would taste, everything that I would do, how it was going, the trips we were taking, what I was eating. And people kind of liked everything that I was doing. So I'm like, wait a second, like let's just make it really about being vegan. Uh Like not just, you know, stories around the world or whatnot. And then my friend Catalina, which is the other half of the vegan blondes, uh-huh. um, also started, I mean, she stopped meat maybe three or four years ago, but she started her vegan journey about the same time as I did. And we've been best friends for 15 years. So it, it just came kind of together. It was very easy. It, it just happened. And then we're like, oh yeah, we're both blondes. It's like the vegan blondes. That that should be, <laughs> you know, it's self-explanatory. We're vegan, we're blondes. That's it. Nobody asks questions. You know, it's yeah, just, exactly. it's very, it's very simple. So across the top, we have soups and stews and pastas and grains and salads and snacks and vegetables. So it looks, oh, and desserts, can't forget the desserts. Yeah. So <laughs> it looks like your, uh, shall we call this a food blog? With yeah, recipes? Yeah. yeah. Yes, it is. It is. Those are all our recipes. It's um, If we take a recipe from somewhere or if it's a riff on a, someone else's recipe, we're going to reference that. Mm-hmm. But um, most of the recipes on the blog are our recipes that we created um, and that we want the world to experience. Cool. Tell us a, about one of your particularly favorite ones. Uh, there's something that I do every week. Um, it's not, I mean, it's, it's not necessarily a recipe, but I grill every week and people are like, you're a vegan, you're grilling. I'm like, yeah, Mm -hmm. every single week on Sunday, I go to the farmer's market, I get all my stuff and I grill a feast with, um, I do a big kale salad that you can put your veggies on with a pepitas and cilantro pesto. And it's just, it's wonderful. It's, and if we have friends over, it's the perfect thing. Even the meat eaters are like, Oh my God, I'm stuffed. This is so good. It's, it's just to die for that barbecue is just so good. Barbecued vegetables. Oh yes. (laughs) I've actually done that before. How did you do it? Um, it's just, you know, for me, I'm a very simple, I love, uh, the quality of the ingredients. So I don't dress my vegetables too much. Uh, just olive oil, salt and pepper. I have fresh rosemary, uh, growing. So I usually put that on mm-hmm. or some fresh thyme and I just go and grill. <laughs> nice. Very, very easy. Now, so when I'm grilling veggies, what I do is I put them in this nice little, well, what I've done in the past is tin foil, but I don't do that anymore. Uh, but so like in a pot or a crock pot and I, I grill it that way. Okay. Um, are you actually putting them on the grill like you would put uh, uh, steak on the grill? Yep. Same way. Same, same way. And I have to tell you, those portobello caps on the grill are just, they're like a steak. They're oh, fantastic. Uh, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that that's probably one of your big food pieces in being a vegan. I know it is for us that so we eat a lot of mushrooms. Yeah, I love mushrooms. Yeah. And, and and that's the thing also, um, 
with with you know vegan some people i mean you can have a very unhealthy vegan diet especially now how the world is coming oh with, yeah you know the news of tyson that acquired some stakes into in beyond meat uh the famous um Hmm. meat alternative burger company uh-huh. um so you know there's a lot of stuff out there in the frozen aisle that is vegan um and there's a big difference i feel between vegan and plant-based so tell um, us about that that was actually going to be my next question so you beat me to the punch oh sorry <laughs> no no yeah. it's good because to me you know people are like oh you're vegan you're vegan um but um, yes, I'm vegan for many different reasons, but what I eat is mostly plant-based. And that's very, two very different things. And I'll give you just the Oreo example because that, that just explains it all. Perfect. An, Ore- an Oreo cookie is vegan, but it's not plant-based and it's not healthy. <laughs> ah. So you know what I mean? Like there's a big difference. Yes, we're the vegan blondes, but we are mostly what we eat is mostly plant-based which is from nature it's wholesome ingredients that you can find in nature uh-huh. that you don't that you don't need to process except for the heat or the that you'll you'll bring to it but most of the time uh it's wholesome ingredients that have not been processed all right so uh, this question is burning to be asked yes what's in an oreo oh <laughs> i can't i mean I don't have it here to read you the list of ingredients, but uh-huh. I'm pretty sure I couldn't even pronounce it if I tried. Yeah, pronounce a lot of them. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So you and I actually met on a tour of the urban farm here a few weeks ago. Uh, yes. And so how does this notion of veganism, and you, you, you mentioned your garden a little earlier, how does mm-hmm. it carry through into your garden? Well, for me, like I said, is when I started doing my research way back then um, about what I put in my body, that's when you start realizing that, to me, I always say that there's kind of a a timeline. You Uh start by doing your research, Mm -hmm. then you start buying organic only, Mm -hmm. then you start going to farmer's market or CSA, like I get a CSA basket every week. Oh, cool. Um, And then the final step for me is to grow your own food. Mm-hmm. So that that was basically my timeline. So and and that was kind of brought on by veganism because once you you clean the toxins um, brought into your body from years of eating meat or dairy, mm-hmm. you you get to phase what I call the optimization of your taste buds. And my husband and I laugh about this because everything starts to taste so much more like it's supposed to taste. Mm. And that's when, and, and I'm talking mostly vegetables or plants. Mm-hmm. So when you want to taste a good carrot or a good tomato, uh-huh. you're not you're not gonna go to fries. You know, I mean, you could, but you know what I mean. Like you're probably not gonna find it. Yeah. Exactly. So you start looking because your your palate and your taste buds are so so tasting everything that's so good that you start looking for the best ingredients that you can find around you. Mm. And that's when you realize that the best of the best of the best is really growing it yourself into in organic <laughs> soil. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so that's how I link gardening and veganism, gardening and plant-based diet, if you will. Yeah. Just because you need everything to taste so good. And what are you growing in your garden right now? 
Well, now I'm just done uh, spreading because I had, I don't know if I mentioned to you, but I'm originally from Montreal, Canada. Ah. And the gardening over there is very, very, very different. Oh, yes, it is. <laughs> so when I moved to Arizona uh, by way of Chicago two years ago, I'm still research. I'm still learning the gardening um, process in Arizona. Yeah. So I uh, I just got my soil now, my organic soil. I spread everything into two uh, different beds, and now I'm going to work on the watering system, and I'm going to plant whatever. I heard that you can plant something every month here. So <laughs> pretty much, I you know here in the low desert, I pretty much don't plant anything in June, July, or August. Yeah, but, but I mean, I think I'll be but good. We can, yeah, we can grow stuff then. It's just that the planting is pretty harsh. Yeah, yeah. But I'm sure I'll be able to plant something before spring comes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So for those of you in the low desert out in the world, and uh, for you, Corrine, have you downloaded our desert planting calendar yet? I did. Yeah, so if you go to urbanfarm.org, the top right, there's a freebies tab. And, you know, if you download the planting calendar there, it's going to tell you what to plant when, because that's, that's the biggest indicator of your success. Are you planting, you know, at appropriate times? Yeah. Yeah. And if you're that's not, I... and if you're not here in the desert, go find a planting calendar for your area. Basically it's easy as typing your city name and planting calendar and see what comes up. So you also mentioned your CSA basket. Uh, so yes. for our listeners that don't aren't familiar with a CSA basket, can you tell them what it is? And I'm curious to know who you're getting it from here in Phoenix. <laughs> the CSA uh, stands for um, Community Supported Ag Agriculture. Mm -hmm. And I decided to take advantage of that in Arizona just because stuff grows uh, throughout the year. Oh, yeah. And I get my basket from Farmyard. Oh, nice. Yes, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, so I get a nice uh, family share basket once a week, and uh, I've been happy. It's been probably 10 weeks now, and I'm very happy with that. I get that on a Tuesday, and then I do – obviously, I cook more during the week as opposed to other people just because I have a food blog. So oh, right, right, right. My kitchen get... during the week is like a laboratory. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> so what did you get in your box last week? Oh, I got some summer squash. I got some pep mini bell peppers. I got some sweet potatoes, some onions, some uh, eggplant, and the first batch of uh, arugula. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, and some uh, spring mix, some mescaline uh, yeah. mix, too. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. for those of you that are getting CSA baskets or boxes, I'll bet you could provide them some recipes for what to do with all that great stuff, huh? Oh, gosh, yeah. It's all on the website. Yeah. Veganblondes.com. Yeah. So I'm going to shift on you, and I'd like for you to talk about a time you failed, how you overcame that failure, and what you might have learned from it. Mm, I would have to say, uh, let me think. There's a bunch of times, but. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, that's how, we that's how we learn, right? But what really made me is, is really when I started on uh, my vegan journey a year ago. I did not educate myself, so I just went in, uh, I was tired of the acne, I went in and I, like you mentioned, I just started eating, I cut, basically, instead of eating what I should be eating, I cut the meat and dairy, and I ate everything else that I used to mm, eat. Mm -hmm. 
that was wrong. I lost weight. I'm not a person that needs to lose weight. Uh Uh, FYI, people don't see me. But so I lost weight. I have two kids. Back then they were two and three. My energy levels were so low. So I did a month of that. And then I realized, my God, vegan, it's so extreme. I can't do that. Nobody can survive on that. Right. So that was my failure. And what I did to overcome that is I educated myself. Mm. And, And that's what people should do with anything in their life. You know, and any yeah. any struggle or anything, think, educate, read, go get information, talk to people. And that's what I did. And that's how I became successful. I bought five cookbooks in one day. I went on Amazon. I'm like, okay, I need five vegan cookbooks. Like, let me start that. Let me read. And then instead of just making recipes, I read the forward and the after in the cookbook and read why everything, you know. And I oh, got yes. this wonderful book called Vegetable Literacy Mm -hmm. by Deborah Madison, which is wonderful. Oh, yeah. It's not a vegan cookbook. It's a vegetarian cookbook, but Mm -hmm. it's easy to adapt to a vegan diet. Yeah. And all it just talks about and the pictures are beautiful, but it just talks about all the vegetables and why and the genome and how did they come to this place and how you know it just explains everything about the vegetable and how to cook it to to bring to bring out its best nice yes deborah was here a few years ago in phoenix and i sponsored an outdoor dinner with her oh very cool cool. yeah yeah Yeah. i love (laughs) so what do you consider your biggest success i don't think i've achieved i mean i have a lot of success it's hard to say. I think I'm on the way to success in terms of my mission right now, which is spreading vegan recipes and plant-based food to the world. However, one of my biggest success, I would think, in this kind of area would be Mm -hmm. the way that my kids love kale, the way that they ask for frika for dinner, the way Mm. that you know what I mean? Like the way that their palate is so diverse. Oh, yes. And so accustomed to things that kids would not even look at. Uh, the fact that they eat fruits for dessert, you know, like all that stuff to me, that's one of my biggest success. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yesterday I was out at lunch and mm-hmm. there was this young lady. She was probably, I don't know, 14. And she ordered a, a noodle bowl at one of at one of our local restaurants and she proceeded to take every single vegetable out of the bowl oh. <laughs> and put it on, you know, put it on a napkin, you know, next to her, um, you know, next to her plate. And yeah, it just had me shaking my head. And so it's a dichotomy for parents uh, to, you know, how do you get your kids to eat vegetables? Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, that's what we need to be healthy. What have you done that your kids are just, you know, all over it? You just have to cook them good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's all I can say. I mean, and I understand the kids that don't want to eat like an overboiled broccoli. You yeah. know what I mean? Like yep. nobody would want to eat that. The goal is to make everything appetizing. And what I found also, instead of serving my kids one vegetable that they don't really like, I'll serve them a plate with a bunch of veggies. Mm. So if they if they discover one or two that they like, at least it's that, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, so instead of cutting a whole zucchini, let's say, I'll just do half and I'll mix it with something else, you know, instead of serving them just a zucchini 
on its own. I'll do a bunch of other ones. Uh, my daughter's addicted to red bell pepper. Oh, well, that, that's a good that, thing to be addicted to. <laughs> right. And that just happened because there was a mix of vegetables in the plate one day and she picked on that one and she was happy. And now she asked for it all the time. Nice. Uh, so it's just little things like that. It's to expose yeah. them as much as possible and to make recipes that that just enhance the vegetables, not mm -hmm. just, you know, here, eat your veggies and it has to be quick, you know. It's, yeah. it's, it has to be good. You have to eat with your eyes, first of all. Oh, yes. And, and kids are the same way, you know. Yeah. They're, no, they're no different than us. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so what drives you? Why, what's your big why behind all of this? Uh, it's it's hard to explain because for me it it came as not only as a food change it came as a spiritual and emotional change too. Mm -hmm. Just because it's we're so close to our diet, it it means so much to us as a society. I mean, you know, there's so many fads and diets here and there. Yeah. yeah. So what we consume every day probably makes for 70% of people's conversation. So to me, it's really to enhance this as much as I can for myself and share my experience and my kids' experience to as much people as I can and show them that you can really, really cook vegetables and grains and beans and legumes and all these things so that they taste fabulous. Yeah. And to show them that, you know, because there's that big protein myth and that big iron myth um, that the dairy industry and the meat industry, meat industry. Fed, yeah. fed us for so long. My husband cycles probably 40 miles every morning. Wow. And he's on a vegan diet. He's, you know, and he's never felt so good. And that's, you know, that, that just destroys your protein myth right there. He used to be on so much protein and the protein shakes and this and that. And now he's at his best in terms of athleticism and he's on a vegan diet yeah um so there's so many things like this that if you don't educate yourself you're still going to think you need 40 grams 45 grams of protein a day of yeah. animal protein a day right so my goal is really to get out there and touch as many people as i want with with that truth and with with recipes that can equip people because it's one thing to say oh yeah i'm going plant-based but I did my education, I did my, you know, I had the background in cooking, but uh -huh. people can still follow recipes and try different things and realize that it's not longer, it's not more expensive. If anything, it's cheaper. cheaper. Begin. Right. And it, yeah, it can be fast, cheap, and easy. That There's no question about that. Yeah. Yeah, cool. So that that's what moves me. <laughs> yeah. So I'm all about education and I have to know, is there one book that's been influential for for you in your life on this process, in this process? Um, like I mentioned uh, Deborah Madison's book earlier, uh, the, the cookbook that I really, really discovered vegan recipes from is um, the Oh She Glows cookbook from Angela Lydon. She's another Canadian girl and she also went, went vegan for health reasons back mm -hmm. then. And then she has a few cookbooks uh, right now that are out. Uh -huh. um, but she's one that has really accessible recipes. Um, she's the one that really I went into and read and try some stuff and then realized that yes, veganism was for me. I could mm -hmm. do this. Like it was, it was something that, that I was able to do. And I think she makes it very uh, attainable. 
So I think I think for anybody who wants to try that, I think that that's a very good one. Cool. What was the author's name on that again? Angela Lidden, L-I-D-D-O-N. Lidden. Okay, cool. Yeah. Was there another one you had? Um, I have also another one, which is the Modern Vegetarian Kitchen. That's from Peter Burley. Oh. Again, it's a vegetarian cookbook, but some of my best dishes also, besides my own recipes, but some of my best dishes have come out from uh, Peter's recipe. They're really, they're great. They're easy to adapt to, to vegan. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have more of that French cuisine twist to them. Like yeah. they use more of the old techniques, which is what I was used to back then. Uh, and they apply that to vegan cooking. Wow. So it's very, very interesting. So it sounds to me like the biggest thing with being a vegetarian and then carrying it on to being a, a vegan is just setting cooking processes in place or preparing processes in place that, that have us create awesome tasting food. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And to discover ingredients too. That's another thing I realized. My pantry now has a bunch of different compartments with little box in there where I put all my grains because I probably have 16 different types of grains and Mm. 12 different types of beans, Mm -hmm. stuff that I did not necessarily cook with before. So you really have to change your whole pantry and change the way that you approach food in order for it to work and for you to get all your nutrients on a daily basis. Have you tried mesquite flour yet? Not yet. Oh my gosh. The mesquite trees, they grow wild. And, and I know. I have a few on my property and they grow so fast. Yeah. They grow fast and they put off these hard beans. Yeah. Uh, bean pods. And uh, the, the best way to figure out what they taste like is when they're dry on the tree, you grab one, break it in half and just nibble on the end of it. And that'll give you an idea of what it tastes like. And some of them taste horrendous and others, <laughs> others taste you know, just like molasses, they're, they're just sweet. And uh, so we actually, uh, Heidi and I actually use mesquite flour a lot in our cooking. Oh, really? And you make it yourself or can you buy it in Arizona? It's hard to find if you're going to buy it. So you have to, you have to grind your own, which is uh, a process in itself. Very cool. That's good to know. Yeah. So what one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners? Uh, I can't say that enough. It's really, and and you say the same thing, it's education. Yeah. It's just getting out there, reading about the three pillars of veganism. And and that's another thing also. When one pillar of veganism, again, their health, environment, and animal welfare, Uh when one of them starts to fail, let's say you're faced with, I don't know, you're healthy, you're like, oh man, yeah, I would eat a big piece of cheesecake right now. Then you start thinking about the other two pillars. And usually when one pillar starts to fail, the other two will come in and kind of mm. get you back on the right track. Yeah. You know? uh, but to do that, you have to be educated in terms of veganism. You have to know what's happening out there. You have to know how the big agriculture industry works. You have to know you know, how the benefits to your health. You have to know. So it's just education. Yeah. It's just reading and educating yourself. I cannot say that enough. Yeah. Like that. That's the main thing for everything. Yep. I'm with you on those. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us on the show and sharing your experience with us today, Kareen. It thank has you. It's been a treat getting to chat with you. Thank you. I'm very happy. And thank you so much for, I mean, 
we met just two weeks ago, but I, I heard your name coming in and out from people and, and I know that you do great things in the Valley and you'll see me again for sure. All right. Perfect. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So how can our listeners get a hold of you, find you on the internet and you know, like well, that. The, the vegan blondes are very active on social media. So we have an Instagram account, which is vegan blondes. We have a Facebook page, which is also vegan blondes you can find our website. Obviously it's vegan blondes.com. Um, and I guess that's that. There's our three ways. We're on Twitter also. Uh, we're trying, we're exploring the social media platforms right now. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> perfect. And you can find them at urbanfarm.org backslash vegan blondes. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast. Decades ago, I started growing food in my front and backyard, and I realized that my mission in life is to inspire and empower others to grow their own nutrient-dense, healthy, organic food. Because of this, a lot of people have come to me with their gardening questions over the years, and that got me thinking, what if we put together a community that would help budding gardeners blossom? So I finally made the idea a reality with my Urban Farm U member program. Each month, your membership includes three live online events, a monthly class, a chit-chat with an expert, and a monthly coaching session, plus access to the experts on our member page and a significant discount on our signature courses. I'm deeply committed to transforming our global food system, and I do this by empowering you to grow your own food. The Urban Farm Membership Program is a simple way to get going. Please join me in transforming your food system today. To learn more, go to urbanfarmmembership.org or text membership to 33444. That's urbanfarmmembership.org or text membership to 33444. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen three days a week for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free.